My name is Craig Wright. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Brock, Associate Editor for ANC at the Daily Emerald. And I'm Eric Shute, a videographer for the Daily Emerald. Today we're going to be talking about one of the biggest trends in the video game industry as of late, the basically having your game kickstarted and funded as instead of the more traditional role of going through a publisher or company. Yeah, crowd crowdsourcing, crowdfunding games, specifically on like Kickstarter or on some other platforms. Basically, um, the premise is people would like pay some money to the uh, to the developers for projects that normally couldn't get funded through traditional means. You would get you would get a copy of the game once it was completed, and it would get published. Now, what what are your thoughts on these kind of uh, crowdfunded games? They've seemed to become kind of uh, popular recently. Yeah, so it's it's not it's certainly not something particularly new. I think. The trend really started probably around 2013 was when we first saw a lot of this stuff coming through. It hasn't always just been for games. We've had stuff like, I think the Ouya had a big like uh, oh, crowdfunding no. thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so tragic <laughs> that didn't work out. But um, there's been some recent developments lately that I think have really kind of redefined how the whole system works. In particular, we have Fig, which is a kind of a newer site, which is... Um, so traditionally the way it works is someone wants to make a game, but they're generally an independent games developer and they can't get the game. They can't get a company or publisher to pick it up and they they need funding. So they're like, I'm going to make this game. And generally like, here's like a roadmap of what I'm going to do. Here's like, you know, a proof of concept. Here's like a demo I've made already. Here's where I want to take the game. If you give me money for it, I'll make it. And I want twenty thousand dollars to make a to make an RPG, and so if people are interested enough, they'll give them the money. And a lot of them do. They do like stretch goals, which is like if I don't just get twenty thousand dollars, if I get twenty thousand or twenty five thousand dollars, instead, I'll you know I'll add another level or add another playable character or I'll you know like release the soundtrack or something along those lines. So the, the stretch goals are another, another big part of it. Um, a lot of, a lot of people fall into the trap of like unrealistic stretch goals, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So as I was saying with fig, the thing that that kind of brings to the table is not only is it the people, you know, the gamers who want the game fig also has it. So you can invest in the game. So I'm, you know, I'm like an independent investor. Investor. I also want to put money into the game and get some kind of return, which kind of mixed things up for the whole crowdfunding thing. What do you think? Uh, what are my thoughts about Fig? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of a little bit skeptical towards the whole crowdfunding thing in general. I mean, you do see successes with them where games raise like millions and millions of dollars or just large amounts, but all these games are kind of uh, hit and miss, and I feel really what kind of turned me off was Mighty Number no. Nine, which had a yep. huge amount of hype, and that came out, and then it just tanked. And we've seen other games recently come out, uh, Ukulele, which, for the most part, that got positive reviews, but that game is in really kind of like a niche thing, and it really seems like a lot of these games that come through uh, crowdfunding are for very specific targeted audiences. And so it kind of makes sense why the big publishers don't really put their funding behind them. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, it works for these situations, but as like a general kind of thing, 
I, I don't know. I don't see it as, you know, really that interesting to me. Well, it, it is definitely something for if for niche people who have a niche game they really want that, you know, maybe only the people who want it want it. You know, maybe there's no one else when the Foley game comes out, there's no one else who buys it. But I think having the opportunity for them to have the game they want funded, you know, through these means, I think that's really, really good because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, the people who wanted the game, they got their game made good for them. You know, if they're not going to go on and make more games, that's fine. They got the game they wanted. Or if they want to make another game, those people will invest again. I think it's, it's good that the people making the games have this opportunity and the people who want the game also have the opportunity. But a lot of these games suck. <laughs> that's well, that's that's my issue with them. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason why publishers aren't, you know, putting their backing behind these games is because they're not, you know, they're, they're not good or they're not, you know, great concepts. I mean, and then you get all these people who throw in all their money behind them. A, a lot with like, you know, Kickstarter and whatnot, you people will throw behind a project and then it won't it won't uh, uh go through like uh ants ant farm simulator ant simulator i think it's just ant simulator but yeah that was one that came a while back i reported on it way back when i think sometime last year um in a very almost comical manner there were three people working on this game one person basically did all the work and the other people basically spent all the money on booze and other illicit materials he basically had to issue an apology saying look the money's gone. I'm the only one with the capacity to do anything with this at the moment. And I just, I can't. I'm sorry, but this is the situation. And that's a reality of this kind of crowdfunding thing is, you know, it might just not get made. You're kind of putting your trust in someone. And there's a lot of, I think, uh, Double Fine gets a lot of... Uh, Double, Double Fine gets a, kind of like a lot of uh, a praise. They're the ones behind uh, Fig. Yeah, well, they get a lot of praise, but they also get a lot of criticism because you had games like uh, Broken Age. They got all this money for Broken Age and ran out halfway through. Did Broken so, Age, did that suck? Like, I heard about it, that kind of, but then it just kind of went away off my radar. It's another really niche game. It's, Is it point and click? It's a point and click <sighs> adventure game. Of course. And if you like point and click adventure games, it's really good. But if that's not your jam, you're not really going to care. I, I'd say... It has a lot of, like, for me, I really like the artwork, I really like the music, and the voice acting is top-notch. That's probably where all their money went, was the voice acting paying, like, is this Will Wheaton, suddenly, who's playing, like, a lumberjack in the middle of the woods? Okay. Um, but again, they, they, run, they ran out of money, like, halfway through, so they did another Kickstarter to finish the second half of the game, and then left it on a really, like, is that it kind of ending? So... I think, I think another thing that comes with the people getting this money, they're game developers. They're not like project managers. They're not business people. Yeah. And they don't know, you know, how to balance all this money. Um, another, another person was, uh, one of my, he's a, he's a longtime content creator. Um, he goes by Rurikar, Bruce Willikers, all kinds of stuff. He used to make this old, old animated cartoon series called Unforgotten Realms. It's like a Dungeons and Dragons spoof. And he got to a point where he really wanted to make a video game of it. And he started it. He got some, like, proof of concept stuff. You know, he had characters running around on the screen, like, fighting each other. But he went through a lot of, like, personal stuff and ended up 
not being able to finish the game. And it's something he still make he's gone kind of back to the whole like YouTube content thing. He does a really cool like role playing show these days. But it, it seems to me like one of his biggest regrets is that whole project falling through. But you get, a, you know, another not only having like inexperience managing these big projects, you also have people trying to do these big projects by themselves or with only like one or two other people. And I think it's a lot of people don't immediately understand like the scope of what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can kind of see that. You have all these people who are very passionate and, you know, they have their idea and then they just kind of throw it out there without really having the means to really kind of uh, see that through and really do it. What, what, in your opinion, do you think, I don't know, out of, out of all the different kind of crowdfunded uh, games that you've kind of uh, have uh, noticed, what do you think has been like the best, like most successful in terms of, you know, delivering what they promised? And what do you think was kind of like the worst kind of campaign? For me, Wasteland 2 is a great freaking Kickstarter game because it's super niche. Like the original Wasteland is what inspired the Fallout series, but it was more along the lines of Fallout 1, 2, and Fallout Tactics rather than like Fallout 3 and kind of the whole first person thing. These are like, you're kind of like zoomed out. You've got like a squad. It's very like, story-based there's a lot of like you find this item and it's very specifically goes to this guy later in the game and you could like sell it or throw it away now but that's an opportunity you're missing out way later in the game and there's also like there's a ton of stuff in the game that you can't do if you don't have the appropriate skills like there's a guy dying on the ground if you don't have good medical you can't save him so that kind of stuff and it's very it's like i, I find the hard or the words describe hard but it's very like traditional western kind of like our or western rpg you know and there's not a big market for that because the skill level on that is crazy high like like it's like really hard to kind of that game is the controls or something no no like it's all like turn-based but you have to like do stat optimization so it's a nerd game yeah and you can it's one of those games where if you don't build right in the beginning of the game, you can reach unwinnable scenarios. Where later in the game, because you didn't optimize your character's stats correctly, you can no longer beat the game. Because... That's crazy. Yeah, and this is like 60 hours in. So, I, what are you going to do? I, I would not play that. Yeah, and that's a game I love. And it, I'm ecstatic that it got made thanks to things like crowdfunding. But... I know it's definitely not for everyone. They're making another one, by the way, which has me doubly excited. Oh, but <laughs> so, what do you think has been like, kind of like the the worst one? I mean, there's there's been like a lot of ones oh, the worst. that you know, like some some twelve year old you know is like, oh, I want to make a game, and they just kind of like put it up there. But I mean, like like a biggest fail, like someone who put like a lot of effort into it, and like it just didn't pan out. So, I think obviously for that, Mighty Number no. Nine is one. But yeah. that, I think that. A good, a good game to compare to is Shovel Knight because what, what they're both trying to do is they're trying to capture the nostalgia of like NES games like Mega Man and Ghosts and Goblins and Castlevania. They're trying to capture that nostalgia. But what they don't realize is you can't try to capture the nostalgia. You have to capture what the people today think that nostalgia was. You have to capture what the game was or you can actually try to, you can try to recreate the game as it was or you can try to play to the image of what they remember it being. Shovel Knight does that very well. Shovel Knight is a game where this is what I remember old NES games being like. 
My number nine is, this is kind of what NES games were like, and it's not good today with my modern standards. So, yeah, I think that's kind of, I think the over-reliance on nostalgia is a real big pitfall there. Yeah, yeah, I feel like nostalgia is kind of like uh, a trap, especially for these games where, like, ukulele building off of nostalgia for, you know, Banjo-Kazooie or Castlevania or um what's it called uh yumeshi you you assume the uh oh uh <laughs> uh it's on the tip of my tongue um uh i can't remember while you're thinking of that <laughs> uh my favorite kickstarter game is uh undertale oh undertale, yeah great which game it, it didn't get that, that much money compared to all the other games i think it got about 90 grand but what i really like about it is that it kind of came out of nowhere just little game. It really like influenced like pop culture with its music. Oh yeah, music is top notch mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah, I love it and its art. So I feel like made uh, by like one guy. Too. Yeah, he just yeah, did yeah. It out. And he and this is like a really clear case of a really committed person who wasn't asking for much and set like I think real expectations for himself. Mm-hmm. And he got thanks to that we got the opportunity for a real smash hit game to come out because of it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really seen that, like, uh, the culture influence uh, with any of the other kind of Kickstarter games. I think the closest, if Mighty Number no. 9 would have been popular, I feel like it would have been, or I mean, if it would have been good, <laughs> it would have really kind of been like Undertale influence kind of pop culture, seeing, you know, like action figures and like dolls and t shirts and whatnot. Um, so Undertale is kind of alone in that really. Maybe y- ukulele in the future will kind of. Yeah, I think, I think we kind of have to watch some other stuff. Yeah. pan out but mm-hmm. yeah so um we'll just kind of have to wait and see you know see maybe some of these other kickstarters see how they pan out maybe fig will be like a huge new means yeah i think the biggest problem with fig right now is we haven't seen anything come out of it so far but i don't know i'm excited to see where things go with it and it's a trend that i've been noticing a long time in the industry and i don't know i think it i think it gives more opportunities but then also you know sets some some people up for failure So that's all we have time for today. Uh, My name is Matthew Brock. I'm Eric Shute. And thanks for listening to the Emerald Podcast Network.